Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootser Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Karl and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Lifetime Deals and SaaS Businesses. And I thought about this this week and I wrote about it and I'm talking about it because uh, one of the people I follow asked about this on Twitter um, and it is an interesting subject. I already wrote a little bit about this in my book, Zero to Sold, but I thought I could really go deep and do some more research, actually talk to people about this topic because it's quite divisive. It might, if there's one polarizing topic in the bootstrapped space right now, it's running lifetime deals for subscription business because founders either love the idea of offering this one-time payment for forever access or they hate it. And it's right up there with the question, should you take venture capital funding, which is equally divisive. And there are a couple of interesting similarities um, that I'll talk about today. Um, Michael Aubrey of Motionbox had to choose how to fund his brand new editing, editing SaaS business when he started it, right? It is a, was supposed to be a bootstrap business. And for Michael, it was the option between do I continue freelancing? Do I find funding? Or do I look into getting a solid cash injection through a lifetime deal? And Michael chose that lifetime deal and he was quite successful with it. His product was almost fully functional at that point. It was an MVP plus, I guess. It had all the features that people wanted. And while he had to rebuild his technical infrastructure for many reasons during the sale, his lifetime customers invested in him and his idea and they were right. My motion box is still around and it's quite successful at that. So let's look at lifetime deals and what benefits they might have and what risks are involved. When you offer a lifetime deal, you are looking at a potentially massive cash injection. Customers would pay a lump sum to get access to your service forever. And if you have just launched your SaaS business and don't have many customers yet, cash is always in short supply. So offering a lifetime deal, this pay once and use forever account sounds excellent for initial traction and cash flow. And even if you offer such a platform, uh, such a deal through a platform like AppSumo and others, but AppSumo is the one that I'm going to talk about today, which takes a 70% cut, it can generate a significant influx of cash. Due to the sheer size of the marketing engine behind AppSumo, many products launched there generate five and six figure revenue numbers within a few weeks. And even with 70% off, that's quite interesting. And that sounds promising, right? I gotta say, I used to dismiss lifetime deals in the past completely for SaaS businesses, obviously. I thought it was not a good idea and there are many, many reasons and many arguments that I will present to you why this is the case. But I've since talked to so many founders who employed those deals with varying degrees of success, but always with some sort of success and I've changed my mind. I move towards a slightly optimistic kind of skepticism. I think that lifetime deals do work and they could work for me and they could definitely work for you as long as you use them intentionally and with several safeguards. And I'll lay those out today. You should make several considerations before setting up a lifetime deal and just for weighing the pros and the cons. And there's definitely an upside to a deal like that and there are risks as well. So let me introduce both the upsides and the risks. And I would like to start with the concept of the revenue ceiling. 
Offering a lifetime deal is usually a once-in-a-business-lifetime event as well, right? It happens when a nascent, young business is strapped for cash and would rather get a mid-sized pile of money today than wait for monthly subscription revenue to accumulate into a larger-than-mid-sized pile of money over the next couple months or years. It's kind of making money today instead of in the future. And a lifetime deal has what I would describe as a revenue ceiling. Because it's a lump sum that people pay you, you can equate that to X amounts of subscription revenue. If that number um, is slightly below the lifetime value of your customers, you will eventually stop being compensated for the value they receive. Right? If your product is 10 bucks a month and you expect your lifetime customers to stick around for two years, and that's how you price your lifetime deal at $200, but then they turn out to use your product for like 10 years, for a decade. You will pay for eight years of their usage out of your own pocket. And that is a, is a problem. And it's a problem that you can not really easily deal with because you can't just set an arbitrary price with lifetime deals. They still have to feel like a deal. And consequently, many such deals run the risk of becoming a long-term liability because of that revenue ceiling, right? You can only get so much from those customers. But until those deals turn into such a liability, they are an asset. Since you get an upfront payment for however many months worth of subscription revenue you're charged. And just like an annual plan, this will work in your favor for the time being. If you can use those months or years, depending on how much you charge to recruit enough monthly subscribers to also pay for your lifetimers, that liability might never realize itself and it's a win-win for the business. But again, risk, right? You don't really know how long people are gonna stay, particularly not if you just started your business and you could be way off. You could also way overshoot it and make a lot of money on this, but it's, it's a risk, right? It's a business risk and it's a pretty, pretty, crass one. So let's talk about another problem here. And I kind of hinted at that earlier, the 30 and from a, out of 100 split. Because when you run lifetime deals through platforms like AppSumo, you get access to a mighty marketing engine. Like their marketing machine is insane, but it comes at a price. Lifetime deal platforms take hefty cuts because they are well aware of their power, influence, and reach. AppSumo knows how good it is. And here's the central issue you'll need to consider when you use a platform like that, you will get 30% of the revenue, but you'll still have 100% of the cost incurred by your users. Are you ready for this? And I looked into this and the company, the SaaS business Lemlist, did an AppSumo deal where they made $161,896, like almost $170,000 after two weeks in sales. But since AppSumo takes a 70% cut, Lemlist only got 30% of that money after fees. Let that sink in. They made 161, 162,000. And then they had to give away, I guess, a solid 100,000? More than that even? They have to serve over 3,000 new customers for life after handing over $100,000 of their revenue to AppSumo. They retain all the downside. All the customers, all the workload, all the customer service, all the, all the support work, all the maintenance, the additional server costs, but they only receive 30% of the upside. And this bargain is not for the faint-hearted. You need to be sure that you can support the customer influx long enough to create a flywheel for subscription customers. And this has always been the reason for me, for why I thought that this kind of lifetime deal through a platform like this is not worth it. Because there's just so much money that you hand over. 
But then in these conversations, I figured out so, this must be something in there beyond the cash. What's in there? And what drives founders to hand over 70% of the revenue and still come out better than before? So I talked to founders as uh, whenever you have a question about your customers or the people that you're interested in, you should do, right? Talk to people. Robert Gelb of Hey Summit considers the AppSumo lifetime deal that they offered for their online summit product, which is really interesting, but that's just an aside. They considered this deal to be primarily a marketing and community building opportunity. They didn't even consider it a cash influx situation. For them, the lifetime deal was testing product acceptance and willingness to pay, but not a way to fund the business. It also supplied them with a heavy influx of passionate supporters who wanted to see their product succeed. And that's what changed my mind about this whole concept. All monetary consideration aside, what a launch like this can do for your business is to create an instant user community. The exposure created by such a launch is powerful and it creates this group of people who really want your business to succeed. That kind of reach is unattainable for most SaaS founders and it might just be worth the hefty revenue cut. And let me just say, because th there's always the option to offer a lifetime deal from your own platform without using AppSumo or similar platforms, but that reach, you will never get on your own. AppSumo has this community of people looking for deals and they jump on it and they come into your product and they take your product with them, right? They take, the, take it with them into their communities, into their professional businesses that they work for, all that kind of stuff. You could not get this kind of reach by just offering a lifetime deal on your SaaS landing page. You still would have to funnel all the traffic to it. And that's what AppSumo is so, so really good at, right? So that's why I'm talking about this um, AppSumo slash AppSumo-like platform in concert with this whole lifetime deal. Because only through this multiplication platform do these lifetime deals actually create so much cash as an influx. So I talked um, to more people and I looked at more interviews and more stories that people told. And uh, Guillaume Mubesh from Lemlist looked into AppSumo launches prior to his own to find opportunities to make his launch better as well, because he understood that community is essential. So he decided to involve himself personally as a founder in the launch and pre-launch, kind of warm up the community and create engagement opportunities along the way. And he also set up several features of the product to be launched right after the lifetime deal to keep people excited and talking about their product. And community engagement, as you can tell, is at the center of a lifetime deal launch success. And you'll find that the most successful businesses who use lifetime deals have understood involving that community throughout the journey. And they know that these early users are the perfect candidates to become evangelists if you treat them right. They're early adopters and they add belief capital to actual capital. The two kinds of capitals that we're looking at, right? People who support us both through talking about us and by, by giving us money. But that kind of brings me to the other point of criticism that is always there when it comes to lifetime deals. And that may be the most essential one. That's because not all lifetime customers are the same. So let's talk about customers, their expectations, and limitations. I was talking with Devon Sabratnam, the co-founder of HR Partner, and he talked to me at length about the experience of their deal, the aftermath, and how his business profited from the onslaught of early customers. Before the deal, their HR platform had 50 customers. And that's solid, right? Every SaaS founder knows that getting 50 customers is not an easy feat, but it took them a couple of years. And once the sale was over, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, they were looking at 1,500 additional customers. 
that is insane, right? This is 30 times the customers. So, yeah, they had to quickly scale up their customer service team to deal with the volume of questions and issues that came rolling in from this avalanche of new users, right? And that, obviously, that's a lot of work and that requires some investment. But in the end, that forced the business to actually improve their internal documentation, their processes, their hiring, and how they segmented their customers. And why did they segment their customers, you may ask? Well, it turned out that these lifetimers were quite demanding, particularly when compared to the regular subscription customers that they already had. And it's not surprising. You're looking at very price-sensitive customers, always on the lookout for a discount, right? They are literally looking for deals all the time when they find the lifetime deal. And at the same time, they see the term lifetime and they start expecting the impossible. And that brings us to lifetime. What does lifetime mean anyway? Is it the lifetime of the customer, like their physical lifetime? Is it the lifetime of your business? Is it maybe the lifetime of the current incarnation of the product, the current version, or all future versions, or the next four, or your personal lifetime as a founder? It's not really clear. Well, it seems that you'll need to clearly communicate what lifetime means for you when you offer a deal that conveys forever as a, as a word. Because we know, and most customers understand, that there's no infinite consumption for digital products. Somebody has to pay at some point. And if they can't, the thing falls apart. But these customers, they care that the feature set they receive from the deal will be useful enough for them in the long term. That is the, the concept through which they access these kind of deals. And that's why I believe it's paramount to communicate and set limitations in your deal and do it clearly. You need to have restrictions in place. Because if you look into other alternative ways where you find lifetime deals or sim similar pay ones uh, used for a while, you'll find all you can eat buffets. Not necessarily lifetime, that would be interesting, but you know, like you pay 10 bucks or something and then you can eat forever in the context of today or this uh, afternoon or whatever. So even those all you can eat buffets have rules. One plate at a time and they can probably kick you out if you abuse the system. So you need to set these restrictions. And if you have problems, if you struggle to come up with so, such limits, just consider a couple things. You can um, just even think about this and you may come up with a solution because you could justify talking to recurring customers every week, right? Because they, they pay you repeatedly. If they have a problem, you're there and they pay you in the next week or the next month. And you know, okay, if I help them this month, they pay me again. But when do you stop talking to a lifetime customer? Is there a way for you to encourage them to get on a pay plan to receive full support again after they've essentially used up all the months that they paid for and now anything you do, they will never compensate you for, right? That, that is a question because if somebody pays, like let's say they pay a hundred bucks on your um, 10 bucks a month product. So they kind of have a year of usage already prepaid, but they're there for their fourth or fifth year. Do you still put the full effort of customer support in there? If you do, it's really good for you because then you're essentially giving them something for free. And if you don't want that because you want to run a business that is actually profitable, well, you need to find a way to get them on a paid plan. And we'll get to that later. But let's look at another thing, just quite similar to the customer service uh, situation. How do you deal with feature requests? Will you treat lifetime customers differently? And Devin from HR Partner has a pretty solid process for that. Whenever a lifetimer asks for a feature that's easy enough to implement, 
they ask for a testimonial in return before they start implementing it. They also encourage their lifetime customers to reach out into their industries, to their colleagues, and attracting more subscribers. So you can leverage it and you can still serve those people. You just have to kind of find a way to make little deals outside of the subscription deal that you do not have with those people. Um, another example, um, or another thought at least, Daniel Kemper, the founder of Q, which is a content creator platform, he points out a very interesting psychological effect. And he pointed that out in a Twitter conversation that we had. Subscribers value a product differently than one-time purchasers or even free users. Lifetime deal customers who paid for a product, um, they couldn't... They just look at a product that might be very different. They purchased a product that might be very different from the product that you currently offer. But they will be under the assumption that you will treat them just the same, like you would treat your subscription customers. So um, there is this kind of confusion, right? The subscription customers, they understand that they pay for something every month. They see improvements. They see maintenance. And a lifetime customer does not see this. They paid for something and they expect it to be around forever. So what do you do? Well, it's a matter of process. You can preempt this problem by setting up ways to deal with different kinds of customers differently. And having different processes in place for different types of accounts is commonplace in the industry. And I think it's vital in the early phase of your business in particular, when you're notoriously understaffed, to deal with this and to set this up quickly. You'll eventually find a way of providing maximum value, maximum customer support to all of your customers, obviously. You will like hire people and you'll optimize things, automate things even better, save, like save people from these problems, but just eventually fixing the bugs and stuff. But you know, we're talking about the phase where that's not yet the case. And the path to that outcome involves prioritizing those who keep your business afloat financially. Because as much, honestly, as um, there is bad press when a lifetime customer quits using your product because they feel they're not served anymore, well, they're not paying you anything anyway, right? A subscriber who is paying for your product and quits, them going away, that actually hurts you. But the lifetime customer, they're leaving the product doesn't really hurt you financially, but it might cause a lot of reputational damage. So please be very careful in how you treat your customers. Even if you start like using different processes for, for different kinds of accounts, be reasonable and still be there for everybody. Just as a kind of caveat here. Um, let's talk about another concept here, because I think this is important beyond just the financials too. For many founders, the goal of a lifetime deal was to gather or is to gather, I guess, as much feedback as possible. And the user influx would speed up this process. Obviously, if you have hundreds, if not thousands of people come in, that just uh, generates more feedback. And it allows them to quickly create a product that would at attract subscription customers that could then sustain all those lifetime customers. That's the idea, you build a feedback loop. And this honestly sounds like a mo the, the most audience-driven way of using a lifetime deal for your business. By focusing on getting access to early user cohort with skin in the game, they kind of already paid for it. And you can just do that in a few weeks through the lifetime deal, which would otherwise take years because it is a slow business to get customers onboarded onto your product or a platform. But this influx of customers and users comes at the cost of the revenue ceiling. And I mentioned it earlier, right? If you don't use that feedback you get to build a better business quickly, you will risk depleting your cash funds. 
And that's why this initial cash flow has to be invested into the business. It has to make you more money than you're losing on lifetime users whose usage exceeds the deal value. And that brings me to the, the point that is always so confusing to me. And that's kind of that lifetime deals are slightly slash severely sabotaging your revenue model, depending on how you use them. Because, because that usage, that overusage, people who paid for two years but stay for 10, that's usage that you usually can't charge for. And SaaS has an ongoing cost because value needs to be delivered constantly. And you have server costs and you have costs for your employees or additional services. And one-time purchases circumvent the whole revenue model. And creating a cash runway within your recurring revenue company. And your subscription revenue has to outgrow this runway quickly. Or your lifetime deals might cause your business to actually implode because you cannot pay for your, for your bills anymore after a while. So if you build your whole business on an initial lifetime deal, you'll have to work much harder to compensate for that with subscription customers than you would have if you'd grown your business slowly over time. And the risk here is obvious. If you don't generate recurring revenue quickly enough, your business will run out of money and die. So, so much for lifetime. And I know that entrepreneurship is always risky. Lifetime deals are no exception. So it's not a silver bullet. So be absolutely careful. But let's talk about a reduced reduced risk addition of the lifetime deal. Just a couple of things. There are ways to manage the risk and potential negative impact of, on your business of such a deal. So here are a few risk mitigation strategies. If you absolutely want to offer a lifetime deal, um, they, they come from all over the place, come from people I talk to, my own experience and uh, the experience of other founders. Let's just start with offer limited amounts of lifetime accounts. Just really cap the maximum number of one-time payment customers and therefore limit the potential financial stress on your future business. Make sure that the majority of your recurring of your revenue is recurring eventually, right? If you have to start with it, just get like, I don't know, how much, how much money do you need? Maybe that's the question. How much do you need to raise from your lifetime customers? If you have a, yeah, a lifetime deal around a hundred bucks and you only need a couple thousand to pay for the next couple months of server costs or anything like that, well, then set 20 or 50 um, lifetime accounts max and that's it, right? That That is an option. So you, you keep control over how much money you come comes in and how much you have to pay in the future to serve these customers. Also, second point, communicate and enforce hard usage limits. Told you about that earlier. No infinite usage. Visibly track and display usage quotas and have a pricing strategy ready for over usage for everybody in the lifetime deal cohort. You might need to do some engineering for this, but it'll prevent users from abusing that deal. And that's the most important thing. You don't want to give hundreds of lifetime accounts out to people and 10, 10 out of them or 10% out of them usage so much that it feels like you have given out a thousand. Don't make that happen. Cap limits and really offer a way to go around those limits by just paying you more money. And in general, like figuring out how much a lifetime deal is worth is important. So price lifetime deals high enough to equal a reasonable customer lifetime value. If you need a 12-month runway, price it at 14 to 16 times the monthly fee. And consider that a customer who doesn't buy your product won't incur maintenance costs, but a customer who buys your product for half its value will incur twice the maintenance cost, right? If you price your lifetime deal too high, that's all right. That's what I'm trying to say. Then people won't buy it. But at least they they won't buy an underpriced lifetime value um, deal that 
will hurt you and damage your business in the future. And generally, don't overpromise. It's the next point. If you intend to charge your lifetimers eventually, make it very clear. Don't promise lifetime and not be clear about what lifetime means. Don't promise everything for everybody at any time. Tell them that they will have to. Uh, yeah, that just that's restricted to access to the version as is, or include a couple updates in, in the next couple months. But they will have to migrate over to a paid plan for significant changes. You can offer. A price reduced subscription option that is available to lifetime deals only or lifetimers, I guess. And that the folks over at Hey Summit actually did this. They um, had a really, really price reduced subscription plan for the people who had a lifetime uh, plan or lifetime account already. And they converted 35% of those lifetimers into monthly paying customers. That is actually quite impressive because I didn't think that those people would pay ever for uh, a subscription, but they did. So give people options and be clear about your limitations and they will make a smart choice. And before you start with lifetime deals, maybe just consider annual pricing first, right? Try selling an annual plan to, to people before you offer them lifetime access because this will create similar cash flow if you price it around the, the same value, but it won't incur future costs because it will pay for itself in the future. People will renew, hopefully. Um, and maybe maybe the last idea is to treat lifetime deals as a limited paid promotion and not as a cash influx situation, particularly if you have a highly shareable product with a viral loop built in. Um, this way, the cost incurred from this deal is a growth spend and not lost revenue. Um, and it's a pretty solid way of getting the word out about your product, particularly if it's a shareable thing, right? There, I've, I've talked a lot about this in, in a future, um, sorry, in, in past episodes, um, that certain products are more shareable than others. Like if you have something like Dropbox, amazing. Everybody wants to store their data. But if you have a tool that um, helps you out uh, to get out of debt and uh, shows how deep in debt you are, you're not likely going to share that with your peers just uh, because you might be or might get ashamed about the fact that you need a tool like this. So shareability is different between a different SaaS services. But if you have one that is highly shareable, then lifetime deals can actually explode that flywheel because the viral loop is just insane once you have a couple hundred or thousand more customers that receive a lot of value from your product. And like I said earlier about Guillaume, who kept a couple features back to launch them after the deal was over, you can then even further fan those flames and get more viral activity going. But again, depends on how shareable your product is. And all these things that I just talked to you about, all these strategies, they still won't guarantee success, right? We're, we're talking about entrepreneurship here. But you'll sleep more soundly knowing that you'll have taken precautions and that you have capped your downside. And that is very important. There's a lot of upside to this, but there is even more downside. And you need to make sure that you're not running yourself into the situation that you cannot escape from. So should you do a lifetime deal? Honestly, do the math. Read up on the experiences that other founders shared who went through this before. And ask around in the community where you will find more people who had more negative experiences with this. It's kind of hard to find people um, who had a lot of negative experience uh, uh, with that because they usually don't talk about this. There's, there's always confirmation bias and survivorship bias at play. And I tried to find those people. I had a hard time doing this myself. But just get into the community and have honest conversations with people. And they will tell you that with all the upside that they had, there was a lot of downside and they struggled. And they will tell you what they struggled with and how they overcame it. Just like the examples that I shared here with you today. And it'll... 
it'll work, right? It'll work out um, if you approach it the right way. Just make an informed choice and weigh the benefits against the drawbacks. For some businesses, particularly with highly shareable products, this lifetime deal is a very good idea. And for others, maybe not so much. Making this choice can propel or capsize your business. It really depends on how well you execute it and how needed it is. So lifetime deals are not a guaranteed win. They can provide you with a significant influx of cash and a stampede of eager customers hungry for your product, but they will also create unanticipated costs and complexity if you're not prepared for it. So choose wisely. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Booster Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at avidkahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L, and you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosold.com. If you have any questions about the episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me and the podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It'll help other founders and the founders-to-be who find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.